You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. This is Women to Watch. I don't think you can truly change for the better in a lasting, meaningful way unless it is driven by self-acceptance. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Be inspired by women from across the globe. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams? What I know to be true is that women were always meant to lead. And by shining a light on those doing it well today, my hope is that more women will find their own voice. Now, here's the owner, founder, and host of Women to Watch, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch. I'm Sue Rocco, and it's so great to be here with all of you. Before I invite uh, my very special guest to come on, I want to remind everyone to stay with us during the breaks, where you'll hear from our exclusive watch team of corporate partners, bringing you news and education from their industries and their organizations. And we continue to be so grateful for their support and the wonderful content that they bring to the show each and every week. If you're interested in being a part of the show, feel free to email taylor at womentowatch.net. And don't forget to sign up for the podcast and our newsletter at our website as well. Again, that's womentowatch.net, women the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. So now I'm very excited and honored to welcome to the show Sarah Zubiate. I hope I pronounced that right. You did beautifully. Oh, founder and CEO of Zubies, or it's an organic food company. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you. It's so great to be here. It's great to have you. And you're joining us from Texas. Yes, Remind me, Dallas, Texas. Dallas. Okay, so mm-hmm. our listeners know where you are, um, and I'm I'm excited to start with your background because so much of your story um, and really what led you to do the work that you're doing today is so directly tied to your childhood. Um, you're originally from El Paso, Texas, in what you describe as humble beginnings. And my first question was to ask you what your earliest memory is um, around sitting at the family table and and having meals. Oh, goodness. I would say it always started with me at the at the stove with my mom or at least sitting there um, cooking. Um, I, I helped, you know, whether and it wasn't just that early memory wasn't just sitting with the food and enjoying it. It was taking part in that creation, whether it was, you know, washing the dishes as a little girl, rinsing them, but it was pouring a lot of the ingredients in. And she made me taste the spices 
which was so incredible. And I do that with my daughter now. My son doesn't have as much interest, but um, <laughs> I was probably five or six. I mean, I was young and my, maybe it's just a picture that I've seen, but I always had my aunts and uncles over and my cousins and we were just enjoying, you know, beans, tortilla, rice, and this like meat with green beans in it that she always made. And of course we use the salsa to kind of season the meat. And that's how I use it a lot. Now I go through way too much every week. And <laughs> that I would say is my earliest memory. I had not been asked that. So that's, a, I really had to think about it. That, <laughs> yeah. that particular time, I guess it was cold. We all had long sleeves on and yeah, that's it. Well, you know, you sent you shared a beautiful picture. I love it of of your mom and and you're sitting in a high chair and I'm assuming it's in the kitchen and um yes. your mom has a radiant smile. And you yes. know, a big big part of your story obviously is is finding out later in life that you were adopted. Yes. Um and you found that out at age 19. Tell me I found out you... at 17 and I met my birth family at 19. Oh, you 20. did. Oh, wow. Yes. Two years later. Yes. Okay. Tell me what, finding that, first of all, how did you find out? How did you find that out? And, and why did it oh. take so long? <laughs> that's so, that's such a great question. <laughs> so I actually had to change that story a bit, but I can actually be forthcoming about it now. Um, only because I didn't want my dad and my Nina, his, his sister, who's now gone to heaven, uh, to be at odds with each other. I had, uh, my father had a really strong, like traditional first generation personality. And I think I've expressed to you before, I've always been super hard headed. So we didn't always agree. And one time I, I, I was driving and I was 16. So I drove to my aunt's house, you know, just venting, just telling her, I don't understand. I'm nothing like my parents. You know, my mom, she's so docile. She doesn't speak up enough. She doesn't do this. And I know, you know, I'm sitting there in a teenage fit <laughs> and you know, she, I guess she felt for me. So she said, Mija, you're not, you know, you process things differently. And you know, your birth mom actually word worked for me as a housekeeper. And I was like, wait, what? What do you wow. mean? Wow. And so, mm -hmm. and she said, your love for cooking, you look just like her. You are not of my brother and they never wanted you to know. And so I kept that secret and I said, well, may I at least speak to them about it and I'll find a way to kind of skirt it in a way that doesn't lie, but just kind of masks the fact that you told me. Mm. And, you know, so that was a very emotional day for me. But it felt almost like a relief. Wow. Because yeah. it, you it weren't was shocked. Do you think you were no. not shocked? Wow. I was not shocked. It was it was the oh, my gosh. Hallelujah. Everything it makes, makes sense. sense. Everything makes sense. And I mean, really, I just I was so different from both of my parents. Um, we shared same interests, the food, the music things of that sort that you're raised with. But as far as my DNA, so help me God, I was, I was so different. And 
being raised with a mother like I, I had, like Gloria Subiate, she, um, her being more calm, less impulsive, very systematic, God, that benefited me in my life because mm. um, I needed that type of guidance. And oftentimes when you come from someone just like yourself, it, having that modeled is a struggle for them unless they've done a lot of self-work. So that's when I found out. And of course I went and confronted my parents, um, in my, in my best fashion. And my mom, she was like, yes, baby, you are adopted. Oh my God. You asked questions about your, you know, your, your appearance or why you were like this. And that's why. And, but my dad, he, no, you're my baby. No, Aww. you know, so he really, really had a hard time with it. So yeah. Later, when I met my birth family, they welcomed in my brother. I mean, I was raised an only child. So when my brother went and introduced himself, they kind of researched where my parents live, but they always knew about me. Mm. So they wanted to find me. Yeah. And that's how. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's it's just such an amazing story. You know, you described it, Sarah, as a, a fundamental shift. Yes. Right. Um, and do you yeah. see irony in discovering that about yourself and your life and, and learning about, um, who you are in relation to Connie, your birth mom is Connie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but on the flip side, what your adoptive parents brought to you, the lessons they taught you. Oh my gosh. Yes. And my, yes, the answer is absolutely. So I was clear on so much. Um, once I understood, oh my gosh, I am really not like my parents. So I grappled with the, how am I from this? This is not me. And so having that clarity, I was able to forgive a lot of the behaviors that I didn't necessarily, uh, understand Mm. because I could separate myself and say, oh my gosh, they've done their best. They, I never knew I was adopted. I had some suspicions that I was very different, but again, because they love me like their own flesh and blood. And many adopted parents are like that, right? Where you'd never know. So it helped me appreciate and have a sense of forgiveness and understanding that I otherwise I think would have struggled with strangely enough. Yeah. And you're probably a case study in, in nature versus nurture, which is something, right? People talk about all the time. Um, We have to go into our first break and and we'll continue our conversation. Stay with us um, as I chat with Sarah Zubiate, founder and CEO of Zubies. We'll be right back. Now the women to watch, Health Watch. For Health Watch, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. 1969, man walked on the moon and the first human heart was successfully transplanted. Just a few years before, the first pancreas and kidney were transplanted into a diabetic patient at the University of Minnesota. Since then, more than 50,000 diabetic patients have received transplants. This morning on Your Radio Doctor, we spoke with transplant surgeon Dr. Ty Dunn from Penn, who trained in Minnesota. Remember, the pancreas makes insulin. Type 1 diabetes patients have no insulin. Type 2, they have decreased insulin and it doesn't work well. The goals of transplanting the pancreas is to free the patient of insulin use, which will improve the quality of life. 
Think about that. No more needle sticks in the finger multiple times a day. No more measuring and injecting insulin and reduces the complications that occur when sugars fluctuate like vision loss and other organ damage. And a new kidney can prevent and remove dialysis and protect the new pancreas. Plus, the patient can now have a normal diet. The other big advantage, eliminating episodes of hypoglycemia. When sugar levels are so low, a patient can faint or pass out while driving. This is huge. Most often, a patient with severe diabetes will receive both organs from a cadaver donor, sometimes pancreas alone if they don't have kidney disease or already had a kidney transplant. During surgery, the patient receives a whole pancreas, which is attached to the intestine so juices can drain out, and his or her own pancreas remains in place. Both pancreas and kidney are tucked just inside the belly, so it's easy to take a biopsy to check for rejection if necessary. Rejection of the new organs can occur within days or years, but much less likely if the patient follows the directions of the doctors and comes for regular visits. In any case, the process has advanced remarkably in its 50-year history. Surgical technique has improved, anti-rejection meds are much safer. The process is truly a miracle. Hear the whole show on yourradiodoctor.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined by Sarah Zubiate this evening. She's the founder and CEO of Zubies, which, by the way, is a wonderful, um, I'm saying an organic food company, but, you know, you specialize in the salsa and the queso and the, I always want to try to say with the Spanish, the creme, (laughs) Um, wonderful foods. And we'll we'll be talking about all of that a a little bit later. I wanted to ask you about um, something else that I think inspired you to to start this company was looking at the health issues of your family um, Mm -hmm. and how the heavy eating and the heavy sauces and the sugars and the salts, you know, um, can really wreak havoc on our health. And certainly in today's world, we're um, recognizing this and trying to change it. Um, Tell me about what were the health issues within the family and and how have you managed to kind of um, educate them around trying to change the diet. Well, it's hard to educate, you know, now 81 year old parents. <laughs> right. Oh my but, gosh. Yes. So seriously, I, yeah. I avoided the education mm. um, a lot, which is why I created products that were literal swap outs because mm. I could say, you know, this is just a different version and these are the ingredients that it uses, but it's different, creative. Tell me how you like it. So because of the fact that they were so set in their ways. Um, that was it, right? smart. They, that was very smart oh. for you to do that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And right? because people just aren't really receptive to changing eating patterns. So mm-hmm. that, for me, understanding that psychology, that psychological approach to consumption, that, that helped me decide, okay, the Latin food line that I will eventually build will be surrounded on this. So the, the problems, um, Parkinson's, my mother has Parkinson's mm-hmm. and my father, he's had quadruple bypasses, lots of you know, diabetes issues, things of that sort, which it's not uncommon. You know, so many of my, actually, yeah, lots of my aunts, my uncles, same thing. And that is unfortunately rampant in places like I'm from because of the fact that 
we just do everything around food and the recipes that your mom used, that the grandma used, that the great grandma, you know, it's all, it's all just embedded. So for me, mm-hmm. I really wanted to get creative in making those swap outs, even, yep, everything moving forward. You know, it's, I so appreciate what you're saying about, you know, the older generation and them just not embracing new ideas. I can remember having conversations with my parents, you know, you really should drink some water (laughs) during the day rather than just tea and Diet Coke all day long. Um, And there was no change in, they're just, they weren't going to do it. Um, so I, I think that's so smart. And it's interesting that it's so it's so, so it is pervasive in your culture, yes. um, these health issues. You know, initially, Sarah, you, you went off to St. Edwards University and you majored mm-hmm. in finance, marketing and math. Mm-hmm. Tell minor me what, math. And minor mm-hmm. in math. Tell yes. me what your aspirations were. I mean, obviously, you graduated magna cum laude, so you uh-huh. were studious. Um what were your aspirations at that time? What did you see yourself doing professionally? Um, I wanted to always, I knew that I wanted to run my own business. Um, but I knew I needed to build a framework of skills and business savvy that I wasn't exposed to as a child. Um, I thankfully had some friends around me who had parents that were successful in building their own businesses. So I just saw from a, from an outside perspective and they really never knew how much I was observing them, but I was a lot. And yes. So for me, it was that humility to know, okay, I don't know so much about so much. And I really, you know, I I could have even done better at school, but I better than um, no, yes, I, I really could have. Um, but I, really worked on my network. So mm-hmm. I knew that by sacrificing like summa cum laude to magna cum laude, that I could really spend time on my internships, on meeting people whose parents were in industries that I wanted to explore. And so I'd go sit with my friend's parents and just talk to them. And then I'm kind of an old soul. So being able to sit there and ask about their past, their experiences, their families, what inspired them, it helped me to understand where I wanted to wind up. And so I had really narrowed it to two industries that I wanted to pursue. And it was, uh, believe it or not, uh, music. So entertainment, music, not necessarily the performance side, even though I'm classically trained and have sang and played piano throughout my life. But the, the, the space that I resided in that resonated with me, my family, that I saw the most room for opportunity was food, food and farming, because Mm. the farming and manufacturing systems are what are so messed up. And, you know, forget the farming, the manufacturing, but larger companies have ad abilities that other smaller companies don't. And I thought, if I can just make a dent in this world on that space, lots of people where I'm from will be able to have access to better food from better farming, from better manufacturing systems without all of these additives. And yeah, so that's why. Did you, at that time, were you already um, living on, you you have a ranch now and a farm in Texas. Did You did at that time. So you had that experience. 
Oh, no, 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 no. So, so just, I, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but I grew up in West Texas and my favorite spaces to be out there were on ranches. Like Cattleman's Ranch is kind of a, a big thing out there. But I did not, I looked at purchasing land south of Dallas to start my farm. It wasn't until I married my husband, who's had this family ranch, where I asked him and approached him with a business plan, literally, um, to say, you know, am, am I able to lease this percentage of land to build this facility? I mean, I pay rent. I, I mean, it is, yes, I mean, he's a businessman through and through. So that property out there where I started my Zuby Farms, that was never the case out there. So I built that ground up instead of renting a lot of the land here in South Dallas. The the It's post-oak savanna plains out there, so the soil composure is much better um, than what we had here. And the okay. land here is also more expensive. Okay. Um, listen, we're going to go into our next break. And, and when we come back, I want to start with your, you, you know, what kind of spurred your decision to leave a very successful financial industry um, and, and start a company? Stay with us for our watch team, and we'll be back with Sarah Zubiate. Now, the women to watch, military watch. Hi. You have one unheard message. <laughs> Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Carol Eggert, Senior Vice President of Military Affairs at Comcast, NBC Universal. Now, I ask, what do you think about when you're considering looking for a job? You ask, of course, what are the benefits? What's the health care, the retirement, vacation? Definitely. Always look at the pay, absolutely. But then you ask, is the work fulfilling? Now, that's a difficult question to answer. Unlike those other essential questions, having a job that's meaningful to you is hard to measure. This is one of the most crucial concerns when searching for a post-military career for our post-9-11 veterans. When we at Comcast put our plan in place to serve the military community, our Comcast leaders and I agreed that we must create a military-friendly culture inside our company first. That meant focusing on building an inclusive workplace where our military teammates knew their employer understood and valued their military experience. 
Since then, we've launched a veteran and military spouse hiring program, organized professional development events tailored for our veteran and military spouse teammates, and we've hosted unique networking and mentoring programs to help our military community employees connect with their colleagues. You know, bridging the civilian-military divide takes work, and we still have a ways to go, but we are making exceptional progress within our teams and business units. It's always good business because we see our military community colleagues become leaders and take on new and innovative projects and initiatives. The top military-friendly companies list recently came out, and I'm honored to say that Comcast, NBC, Universal earned top ratings in multiple categories. And I'm proud of Comcast, NBC, Universal, and of course many other companies that empower the veterans, their National Guard and Reserve, and military spouse employees. So please check out themilitaryfriendly.org and learn about these great companies. Hi, Sue Rocco here, host of Women to Watch. Are you a fan of the show? If so, be sure to sign up for our podcast at womentowatch.net so you never miss a show and can listen on your own time. That's women, the number two, watch.net, N-E-T. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Welcome back to the show. I'm joined by Sarah Zubiate, the founder and CEO of Zubies, uh, based in Texas. And, um, you know, a big part of your story, Sarah, is that you had a very successful career in the financial industry. If I'm correct, you were a trader? Um, a fixed probably... income trader is what I left. Yes, okay. fidelity as, yeah. Um, and so, you know, when you, I, I've spoken to lots of entrepreneurs, and it's always fascinating to me when they're in a very secure, stable job, and they're doing well, and yet there's that yearning to do something on their own. So tell, tell our listeners what led you to leave your career, which again, you were doing fine and, and successful, and what was it that was missing? Great question. So after I left fixed income, I actually had you know, more consulting advisory type work, even within the same industry. But even within that industry, I stopped altogether with Trinity Fiduciary Partners, so in-house proprietary funds. And you know, I kind of oversaw investments and portfolios of, of that sort, but it was based on sustainable investing. So I loved that mission of sustainable investing because again, it was me wanting to further the good and understand more about businesses that worked well with those types of models. And that helped me to understand exactly what I would need how I would be successful, how I, how I wouldn't be successful. But that leap of faith, you know, I never really saw it as a leap of faith. I was like, okay, this is just following exactly what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and I'm just going to do it. So yeah. it wasn't, yeah. Yeah, well, that you had the, then obviously you had the confidence that you could. You're, you, you know, this is my next venture, I guess, mm-hmm. right? That, yes. So you launched the company in 2017. Um Tell me about, did you have to raise funds? You know, what, what was the first thing you needed to do uh, prior to building a team? Great question. So I actually started selling at the farmer's market in 2013. So, but the, the company wasn't formed mm-hmm. until 
2017. So I started selling at the farmer's market, kind of like a, a little window, a kitchen, right? If you will, just trying different foods, seeing what works, uh, price points, who's buying, who comes back. Um, and was that the, the salsa that was based on um, a recipe from your the mom? salsa, yes. Okay. Salsas, different quesos, tamales. I mean, you name it, I was, I was out there trying to see what worked. Okay. And again, the repeat purchasers is really what helped me understand that hands-on market research because, you know, industry data only tells you so much. I wanted to live and breathe and understand my customers or, you know, the future customers at any of the retailers. So 2017 was whenever I launched into retail. And okay. at that point, I didn't have a team. <laughs> it was... Was um, you? <laughs> uh, it, yes, right? yes. But I had a co-packer, a, a great co-packer at that time. It was a lot of trial and error, both with me, with them. Uh, they were in Austin, but then I eventually realized, oh my gosh, I need to oversee this a lot more. So I moved over to Dallas and I didn't really start building my team until I had that move to Dallas. I had contractors here and there. So that was part of my team. Mm -hmm. But as far as the forecasting, the accounting, the even drawing up my own marketing papers, you know, my demo sheets with recipes, it was me making them as best as I could uh, at that point in time. So I was all of it. How about, and, how about uh -huh. your strategy for competing with brands that have been out there for a long time? That's a big, that's a risk, right? Or how do you oh stand out from gosh. the rest? Yes, I. that was a school of hard knocks for sure, because data only gives you so much. And trust me, I did my research. But a lot of these older brands that I launched right next to in the produce section, I had done my research on them. I knew how long they were in business. Um, I went and gathered a lot of the times that they ran promotions, the promotions that they were running. Little did I know <laughs> that they had the capacity to do buy one, get one freeze that they had never done as soon as I launched. So these people had pockets that I never even accounted for. Mm -hmm. I was going based on what they had done, not what they were capable of doing. So that was insane to learn. So then I approached the retailer and I said, can I please scale back to these many, uh, stores? You know, my product also seems like it's working better in these types of zip codes. Maybe even I, I, I work with central market solely because that might be a better customer base for me. So thank God they're just so good to, at least they were, they were great to me. HEB, they were like, yes, you're right. Let's let, let's definitely pivot. And I think that was four months after I launched. I was like, okay, I have my data. I know what they're capable of and I'm not going to fail because you know they, they have these abilities that I didn't even account for. And they were aggressive with their, with their promotions. And even though I was ready with my savings, and, and you asked about that, it was my savings. It was me, my savings at that point. And just reinvesting as much as I could into that and, you know, just the promotion, the actual business and into whatever I could with myself. And yeah, that, that was, that was tough. Do so you, once I launched, uh -huh. Oh no, go ahead. So once I launched into different retailers who I believe were my better target market, I was able to 
yeah, I, I went in there a lot more prepared. And the way I was willing to do that, that was by significantly scaling back from hundreds of stores at the launch to, you know, 20. Okay. Do you think someone, I, I'm listening to you and you're such a numbers person and you had experience, you know, with marketing and, and math. Do you think a woman who, I'm, I'm saying a woman, but anyone can start a company like this with a product if they're not a numbers person? Absolutely. They can. Absolutely. And I I just actually gave a presentation to uh, the business school at St. Ed's. And they asked this one question that seems to be such an area of concern. And I told them, you all, there are applications that help people with their homework. You can literally download an app. You can go on there and ask them to help you with problems. And I'm like, what is different from a problem with within school versus a problem for your business. If you're having problems forecasting this, 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 they can actually help you with the formulas in Excel. You can work on that. Then you can call back, you know, just gain a 99, 99 per year. And you have access to these tutors who have that. I'm like, we live in a day and an age where you can be resourceful. It's being resourceful. Right. We have to know what to look for, too. Right. Sometimes I think if you've never ran a business, you don't even know that you have to forecast or or sit down and compare um, different. That's right. Right. I think it's knowing the right questions, but there's probably help for that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where your network comes in. Right. Um, mm-hmm. this, we have to take one more break. Um, we will be back with Sarah Zubiate, again, the founder and CEO of Zubies. And stay with us for our watch team. We'll be right back. Women to watch. Sports watch. Hey, everybody. This is Dr. Jen Welter, and you are listening to Sports Watch. It is so important and so powerful that we can see in places like the NBA, women like Kate Scott in authority roles, being the voice, being the face, being the person who everyone who loves the 76ers and everybody who plays against them. So, you know, you may have a little bit of that love and hate thing, right? Because you competition, that's what we have. We'll see and hear a woman's voice. It will create a new normal in that it's not outside the box to hear a woman or to see a woman in that role, but there will be generations of kids who grow up not knowing the sport or their team any other way. And let's think about the days when how powerful it is that we are talking about second, thirds, and fourth, as opposed to this is a first and the questions that are associated with that. Can it work? Will people like it? Well, you know, the truth is that it can work. It will work. And she has been working a very long time to earn this position. And I, I certainly hope that she will set a standard where she is no longer the exception to the rule, but that the rules are changing. And we will look for more women to take up similar roles across multiple sports and you know cheers to basketball and the 76ers specifically for leading the way with her in that role follow me and all my adventures or you can say misadventures on welter 47 
on Instagram or at jwelter47 on Twitter. Now, more of Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much for tuning into the show tonight. I'm enjoying my conversation with Sarah Zubiate. Um, she started a company. She makes all kinds of wonderful salsas and quesos, Latin-inspired foods. And, um, you know, Sarah, when I think about what you're doing compared to what I'm doing, um, you're managing a lot. You're managing manufacturers and and a, a, a very large team and a farm and a ranch. Um, and we never, ever, ever talk about work-life balance here. We just say it's yes. life. But I am curious, you know, what a typical day is like for you. And you, you have children, by the way, which I want to give you a chance to talk about your kids. Um when you're not doing media appearances, just mm-hmm. tell me what your your day looks like. What is a typical day? <laughs> okay, I'm going to do my best. Uh, well, first, my family's my world. So I, thank goodness, have the luxury of planning my schedule as best as I can around things for at least my, my kiddos. So I have two step boys as well who are just precious, but the heavy lifting for their planning their schedules and everything is not done by me, which is very nice, but I do the heavy lifting, but I also have a team, um, you know, people that can, can help me with my kiddos because I couldn't do it all alone. And when people don't have that support system, I I wouldn't even know how to do it unless you're saying, okay, you're just going to have to, like I did at first, put in the really long hours and know you're going to have to go years without a lot of sleep. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, I mean, that is the hard, cold truth. And my day-to-day, it's all so different. I mean, I'm out at, you know, Zuby Farms as much as I can be. I meet with my manufacturing team. I kind of dig real deep into the systems, and then I come high level, remind them exactly what they have to do. I live in Asana, by the way, kind of my project management. And then, you know, I'm over here, sales, marketing, promotions, exactly what we're going to do. And then down here, kind of within that funnel is, okay, my ads, Facebook, Instagram, Google, uh, you know, whatever type of uh, component falls underneath there. And then legal has become much less than much less involved at this point but starting up i mean they're everywhere oh, that's so much work yeah the legal yes it's crazy and then you know clearly the numbers maintaining that understanding of cash flow and so it's just it's just a lot that i try yeah. and build in but I, I i thank god manage yeah. Now, the the products, I know that you're very, very interested in, in plants and flowers as medicinal purposes. And yes. are you envisioning your company to expand and go bigger into the health and wellness industry? Or do you think you'll you'll stay exclusive to the, the food products that you're making? I believe that food is medicine. So I want to stay in the food and snack space. Mm-hmm. And I want it always to be based on you know, the more Latin family tradition, because for me, it's that traditional abiding Latin food in a zero waste capacity with organic farming that I feel makes my imprint, my footprint, even ever so small right now, make that fundamental difference for that, that product, that food. Um, I'm going to be launching some agave and jalapeno candied pecans. Pecans are the Texas state tree. And they're kind of the base for lots of cookies and desserts and such in Latin, or Latin households. And 
So that's going to be my next kind of in the month, month and a half launch. But as we go on, I'll absolutely stay within the food space. Yeah. Um, Tell me, do you have a favorite quote? Something that you go to on the day when everything is going awry? I don't. I have prayer. I mean, I'm serious. I I don't meditate. I don't have quotes. Um, I have prayers. And so I'm... I am Catholic, so I mean, not the, you know, best Catholic, but I am in terms of, I I know my prayers. Mm -hmm. So I will literally say there and recite them over and over and over and over. That's for me, what consoles me as almost a meditation as well. Tell me if, um, if when you think about your children, if there was one thing, just one thing in the world that you could change, uh, for them, what would that be? the truthful messaging that is provided to them on a day-to-day basis. So again, I see that as being a direct influence of our media. Again, these huge um, corporations that are able to spend so much money. And right now I'm, I mean, I'm referencing even food, right? Just, just, Hey, this is great for you. Go, you know, go grab these donuts with whatever. And, but, you know, all of this messaging to our, our kids is, I think, not the full truth. Mm-hmm. And it's that ability to gain access to that full truth, which is so tough. But that's at least what I'm trying to change within the food space. Mm. That, that's a good one because we talk about information overload Mm-hmm. on the show a lot and when we have access to information and we have experts and doctors and yes. health professionals and nutritionists and they don't agree yeah. it's very hard to sort through it all that's right got to spend a lot of time so what you're doing i think in bringing forth you know the truth about all of this um is is really a, is very important work especially when you look at you know the health and wellness of um everyone Everyone. That's right. Everyone. Well, I am uh, very grateful for your time to, to spend with us today, Sarah, and we'll be following you. And for the listeners, uh, just so they know, it's Zubies.com. Z-U-B-I-S.com. Is that correct? Zubies. Eat Zuby. Eat Zuby.com. Eat Zuby.com. Okay. Yes, Excellent. Yes. <laughs> um, and I wish you continued success. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Sue. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Great. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Thank you so much to our sponsors for their continued support. And stay tuned for my conversation next week with Monique Mosley. Monique is general partner of Rain Ventures. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHD or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.